Hey guys, what is up? This is Sarah Dietschy, Rhymes with Peachy, here for another episode of The Creative Exchange. I am here with Kara Golden of Hint. I am a big fan of Hint Water, so I have actually done work with Hint before, and she is here in LA, so we have a chance to sit down and talk with her. So for the people who don't know of Hint Water. Who could that be? The two two people out there. What is Hint Water? So Hint just makes water taste better for people like me who knew that they should be drinking more water but just didn't. Uh, I developed Hint. I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in water and wondered why all these things that were calling themselves water on the market actually had a lot more crap in it than than uh, just water. And so, uh, yeah, so we're just using uh, we're just using just a touch of the fruit flavor in order to actually get people to enjoy water again. So what makes you guys unique? What was the moment where the world needs a, another water company? Because you said you know, on your panel that you would go to Whole Foods mm-hmm. and you saw vitamin water, but there's so much sugar. So what makes Hint stand out and why is it a healthier alternative? So, uh, so ages ago, I used to drink um, diet soda. And I was um, thinking that the word diet actually was better for me. And Mm -hmm. then one day I started looking at, you know, I thought the diet was better for me, but what else do I think is actually better for me? And I I made a list and I wish I would have kept the list, but I made a list that was like low fat, water, chicken, fish, like I, and I started really like making this list of if I do all of these things, put all of these things in my body, then I'll be healthy, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'll work out and then I'll do all of that and then for sure I'm gonna be healthy. And it ends up that that's not the case. And so for me, I had seen it for myself that I was drinking diet soda and and decided, okay, I'm gonna give this up, maybe only for temporarily, but for, you know, a few weeks, I'm gonna see what happens. And I gave up diet soda and started drinking plain water. And what I saw just by making that shift was I lost over 20 pounds. In six months, I lost over 50 pounds. And I had really bad skin. I was, you know, suddenly in six months seeing what I couldn't do with antibiotics or anything from the dermatologist or, or any great skincare products. And so I think that the key thing when we started this company was that there were a lot of companies out there that I felt very frustrated and somewhat angry that I had been fooled by, that I thought, you know, they're actually trying to get me to think that they're healthy, you know, I call them now healthy perception companies versus healthy reality. And when I really started to take the time to look at these companies and, and these products from these companies, I realized that um, that if I actually just took a minute to try and say okay what is you know what what is a flavor what is sugar what is you know all of these caramel food colorings what is all of these different things and really tried to only eat or drink those things that I knew um, exactly what was in it then I could actually you know change health for the better inside of myself so um, so there had been carbonated versions of our product out out mm-hmm. there um, early on. Many of them uh, were not and are still not today actually using real fruit in their product. Mm-hmm. We use real fruit. Um, so that's a key differentiator. 
but also uh, we decided to, we were really the first still water version of just making water taste better with no sweeteners, no sugar, right. no stevia, no aspartame, no NutraSweet, no saccharin, nothing. There's so many um, words for all of the sugars. Right. And it's so, so many, intimidating. Yeah, so you really don't know what you're drinking in a lot of cases. Exactly. And frankly, I mean, we're probably the only beverage company on the market today that actually tells people, look, if you believe that your tap water is clean, then you should drink it. Hmm. Like, I, you don't need to drink my yeah. product. Right. And, um, you know, unfortunately, that's become an issue in the right. U.S. where, you know, it started with Flint, Michigan a couple of years ago. Right. And so gone tragic. are the days in, you know, the U.S. when we can just assume we can turn the tap on and right. get clean water, right? Right. So I think it's... Um, you know, it's it's a product that is, like I said, re- our hope is to really help people drink water. It ends up that tons of people are were like me are not necessarily the healthiest people in, in the world, mm-hmm. but they think they're healthy just because they're shopping at Whole Foods or right. Trader Joe's or whatever. Right. And I'm, you know, I really and soda started, and stuff. I mean, that stuff is everywhere. Crazy. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I used to drink all of my sugar for the day in one can of Dr. Pepper. Yeah. So being from Texas, yeah. I was addicted to that stuff. And then you sit back and you look at the labels and you're like, hmm, okay, the people recommend like 25 grams or 30, I think, for an average woman to yeah. consume a day. I just drank that in Dr. Pepper. Yeah, totally. And I don't know about you, but I used to say to myself, I mean, Diet Coke was like my best friend. Right. I used to it's say, like it's not real sugar. well, it's actually made up of water, so it'll be fine. It'll keep me hydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up in Arizona where like, I should have been super hydrated and wanting to drink water, right. but I was just kind of like, eh, you know, water's so boring. And right. But I found that if I started like putting some fruit in it that it would make you know such a huge difference I mean to your point too I mean the sad thing is is that I think that there's so many things I mean these large companies in particular spend so much time and effort and research and money Mm -hmm. actually trying to trick the consumer Mm -hmm. so so I would say that you know I probably spend 20% of my time these days not just you know running the company but another 20% actually lobbying for people to really consumer advocacy for consumers to be able to I believe that if a consumer buys a product that they should actually be able to know what they're buying that right? makes sense I mean it's it's a mm-hmm. logical thing yet today you know while we have an FDA that helps to actually um, you know help people to have safe products. The Mm -hmm. problem that I see just being in this industry and not just with water, we recently launched a sunscreen. um, Congrats. Personal care, yeah, it's super exciting. Something that I need. There's so many products, for example. So our Mm -hmm. product launched uh, launched in Target nationwide a couple of weeks ago, which is huge. But we, after uh, three years of um, waiting to get the FDA approval, I we finally got it and um, I was really excited because we're one of the first products that not only smells and feels better mm-hmm. on people's skins we're using the real fruit from this to actually scent wow. um, but yeah which is really unique and different but there's um, you know over 95% of products on the market today say or have oxybenzone in them and and parabens in them and there's a few products that are out on the market that um, claim to not have oxybenzone in them mm-hmm. And so when I hear that as a consumer, that a product doesn't contain oxybenzone, I just assume that that brand has gotten behind that as a whole, right? And it ends up that, 
you know, this product is one of the higher end brands in, in CVS and, and they claim like no oxybenzone, no parabens on all of their stuff, yet their number one selling products in the sun care line has, that. has oxybenzone in it. And so I'm like, how could that be okay? And I right. mean, the reality is, is that, you know, it really goes back to labeling and mm-hmm. is actually sort of another layer even below where, you know, I discovered sort of the food industry was a few years ago right. is that there's no one policing it. Right. Oh, that's a whole thing. Which is unhashed. a whole Yeah, that's, I mean, other... start off with beverages, but then you get into the food right. industry. And so, do you watch the Netflix documentaries mm-hmm. about them? It's crazy, I right? Know, I know. And a lot of times with that, it's it's so overwhelming that you just feel powerless. Totally. So I think it's really cool when, you know, you it started with, yeah, water's boring, but also there's a side of it where consumers don't know what they're drinking. And it's cool that you found a solution that is a part of solving that problem, which totally. is cool. And I bet that feels amazing. Um, but building Hint... Uh, this is a 13-year-old yeah, company? Yeah, uh, wow. almost 13 years. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, when you're building companies, whether it's an internet service or maybe like a client service, I feel like that type of thing is so different than making a product and building a business around products. And so in the very beginning, how long did it take for you to get from the idea of water to something that you could actually show to people, something you can be like, look, this is a bottle of Hint. This is what we're doing with it. Um, Because that's intimidating. Yeah. You know, you have to figure about the actual water, but the bottle, the label, the design of it, how long did that process take? You know, it's funny. I I mean, I think I'm a little bit different, not from every entrepreneur, but from many entrepreneurs. I didn't sit there and say, like, one day I'm going to run my own company. Mm-hmm. I I was quite happy working inside, inside of large companies. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, I always, you know, it's always easier hindsight 2020 to like look back. I was always the one that wanted to take on the pro- the projects that like nobody else had tackled. Like I, I've always been, and it's very clear to me now, but it wasn't clear to me when I was in my 20s that I, I'm a builder. Like that's where like I love the build, right? Mm-hmm. I get less interested when it's you know it's when that the growing idea curve is, too, yeah. where you get hyped on the idea yeah. and you're like yes yes yes, and then you get to act the part where it's fully developed or you know and it's like oh okay well what's another idea yeah. that I can <laughs> and so there's yeah. so I I always you know group entrepreneurs into like I mean I still 13 years later view our company as very much a startup, mm-hmm. but I feel like. It's um, for me as an entrepreneur and as a founder, that's what I really love doing. And part of the reason I think, you know, not to say that that we weren't uh, growing as a as a beverage company. I mean, our sales doubled year over year growth. Mm-hmm. We were still doing great, but to actually like dig my head into the sunscreen and personal care market for me was like, okay, it's totally different on mm-hmm. so many fronts. So, and so it was, yeah, it was su- it's super exciting to be able to. Um, you know, almost do another build, right. another build, right? right. And um, so, so I think that you know, I look at tech. Actually, my background in tech, and then I went into CPG. I mean, it, it's funny. I I feel like you know, the tech industry is fairly young as compared to other industries hmm. that are, that are out there. And having grown up in tech, I felt like I never walked into a room when I was um, at this little startup 
to market that was a spin out of Apple mm-hmm. or that was Steve Jobs. It was company. a Steve Jobs idea. Well, it was for an idea. An idea. It was okay. all an, it was an idea within Apple okay. that Steve had to actually make um, you know baud modem speeds hmm. um, irrelevant. Because if you had all of the graphics and content on a CD and you hmm. could stick the disc into the machine, then the consumer wouldn't even know. Like it was, it was a thought that Steve had, which was a brilliant thought. That it's like it, the consumer doesn't need to know how hard this stuff is, mm-hmm. and and that's I think as as a whole what Apple is, how they became so brilliant is just the simplicity of everything totally. and the user experience. And yeah. Steve Jobs is someone you admire. You hugely, know, yeah. hugely admire. And yeah. to be so close to that. And then that company was acquired by AOL. Yeah, so AOL yeah. came in and invested in us and they were definitely bigger than two market where I was at. Um, they were, you know, they were smaller actually at the time mm-hmm. than, than Apple. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting because I look at you know my experience in tech there, and then I was at CNN before that, and it was I was sort of on a, a startup within CNN, building out the airport channel, and uh, but anyway, the the one thing that I felt like I really got out of that experience, and again, it's like great to look back on it, but I never walked into a room in any of those three companies and thought it can't be done. Hmm. Like I wasn't surrounded by people. And again, these were all builders that mm-hmm. were like the same kind of mindset where they were like, uh, you know, where somebody would have an idea and they'd be like, dude, you can't do that, right? right. And then when I came over to, to, you know, launching Hint, I tried to talk to as many people as possible who had worked in the beverage industry because I said to myself, like, I don't know anything about beverage, so I better go, you know, call so-and-so's friend who works at, right. you know, the big soda companies or whatever and try and learn. And I would hear it over and over again, like, oh, you can't do that. Hmm. Oh, you can't produce a product that uh, has any type of shelf life without preservatives in it. Oh, you can't do this. And it was so foreign to me because in the tech industry, it was like, the, yeah, who can we talk to? Mm-hmm. Like, who can we get in the room to actually help us solve this problem? And so it was a great launch pad for when I came to uh, launch Hint. And, you know, I'd be dealing with our bottler and he'd say, no, you actually, you need preservatives in your product. And I had an idea that I want to launch a product with real fruit and also no preservatives in it. And they would say, oh, that's impossible. And I kept saying, why? Yeah. And because that's Keep what I asking learned. Why. Keep yeah. asking why. And that impossible. Ugh, right. That just makes me like cringe. Yeah. And and frankly, like I think it was very, very depressing to me for mm-hmm. the first year because I'm like, I don't know if I want to go into CPG because everybody's like telling me no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. And maybe they know because they've been in the industry for so long. What does that stand for? CBG? CPG. CPG. Consumer Packaged Goods. So I kept gotcha. thinking that you know, maybe I don't want to be in this industry. Hmm. And then I thought, well, I think differently. And mm-hmm. so maybe I'm the one that actually needs to go and, and, and launch this company around differently and, and do things differently mm-hmm. too. And so so I, you know, I really believe that a lot of the, the culture and the ethos and, mm-hmm. and lots of things that are super important to any startup um, you know, you have to have a great product or service, but I also right. think like bringing in people who think, um, you know, that in, in thinking 
not like you do necessarily, but think with a can-do attitude and just go do it sort of mentality is very, very important. And I think that's really cool that you had that experience, you know, AOL, CNN, you were working with people and you had structure around you. So when the time came to bring in people at Hint and add structure into your company, that wasn't foreign to you. I know for me as someone who, honestly, I've pretty much worked for myself, like my entire life. Um, I mean, I'm 23. I got some years to live. But that's probably the wall that I hit the most is, okay, how do I scale me? And how do I reach out to people to help me with what I'm yeah. growing and let go of things? Yeah. And so I think that's when, you know, very clearly you you are an entrepreneur. But I could see that being so valuable, like your work at AOL and all the other places, um, because that's so important. Yeah, That that is so important. Well, and there's no rules to say, I mean, just as an example to you, I mean, there's no rules to say your your business is doing amazing and you're doing lots of great stuff, but it's not to say that you couldn't go inside of a a company and then, like, that doesn't mean you failed, right? Right. Like, um, Julie Rice, one of the co-founders of SoulCycle, I just read Mm -hmm. that she um, just took a job at WeWork as their chief creative officer. Wow. And so when I talked to Julie, Uh, about a year ago, she was saying, like, you know, I've founded this great company, this movement, Mm -hmm. right, where, like, people are, you know, on board, and I don't know what I want to do now, because I don't necessarily have the next big idea, like SoulCycle, so what do I want to do? And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I was a little bit surprised when I saw that uh, she took this role at WeWork, and I've been thinking about it over the last 48 hours. I'm like, no, it's really cool. Like, it actually says something about WeWork that you know they wanted to inject something that Julie had and you know and it's not to say that Julie's gonna I mean maybe she will sit there forever Mm -hmm. but it's not to say that she's gonna you know sit there forever either she may need to there's no rules around Mm -hmm. it and so I think that that's um I mean that's a really good point I would say too that as I was starting to build hint too that people I mean still 13 years later people from my former companies from Time, from CNN mm-hmm. will like call me and they're like, oh my God, I just heard like, this is your company, that's so cool. And <laughs> they'll amazing. call me and they'll, you know, want to do partnerships with me, right. they want to, you know, and mm-hmm. so I think that that's, um, you know, that it's it's definitely a network that mm-hmm. is, um, you know, helping me think about things and do things and, and yeah. That, so. That's cool. Yeah. So from the moment that you were in Whole Foods and the dude was like, you should make this yeah. company, you know, I think that's a really fun story, um, to did you raise capital in the beginning or was it bootstrapped or when, what was the first legit meeting? Was that like a year later? Was that two years later? Yeah. How, were you making hint at your house? So it, it's a funny story. I mean, we had saved some money. We had, um, I had, we meaning my husband and I, so we had had um, a million kids. We had four kids. We had had three <laughs> kids at the time. And we had saved some money from mm-hmm. uh, from AOL. And um, my husband was at Netscape. And so we, yes. like, didn't even think this was a company. This was, mm-hmm. like, this harebrained, like, go to Vegas kind of idea that we just thought like, oh my God, it'd be so fun just to get a product on the shelf yeah. at, at that our favorite market, Whole Foods. Right. And so, and people were like, wait, what are you doing? And we're like, oh, like, we're just like delivering cases to hint, but that's not really our company. Like they were, and right. so people were, I was still interviewing for jobs. Wow. And then I would, you know, get close to, you know, actually being serious about a job. And I'm like, 
I don't know, like I smile every single day. I really love what I'm doing. It's super crazy. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting too. I've talked about this before, but I feel like I'm not sure that this is what every individual who goes into the workplace believes, but I had risen pretty quickly. I was the youngest female vice president at AOL Mm -hmm. at the time. And, and, um, you know, I wasn't even 30 years old and was just really like, um, you know, which has its own challenges, frankly, because a lot of your peers who you want to, you know, go out for beers with, right, are, you know, saying like, how'd you get that job? Mm -hmm. And what's, you know, that guy that's at a senior level like, and it was just, it was really hard in Mm -hmm. in many, many ways to sort of like live in that, in that world. But I, I almost like when I was looking, I was definitely in tech looking at sort of like, equal kind of level jobs and um but i really dug deep inside myself and figured out like who am i as a person and i didn't sort of get off on like saying oh i managed 200 people like it was kind mm-hmm. of like a check mark versus actually saying okay now i want to go manage 500 people right. like it was just not what sort of made me me right in my mind mm-hmm. and so I really believed like titles and still believe today that titles are irrelevant. Hmm. I mean, I just don't really, I think that it's like the wrong thing to focus on. And Hmm. when I'm mentoring people today, I'm always like, forget about that for a minute. It's like, are you gonna learn from people? And are you gonna be able to smile every day and wanna go into work and work on something that you're really passionate and really believe in? And so when I was starting Hint, I mean, it was, was, uh, you know, it was really, all of a sudden I saw this industry, you know, soda and CPG and distribution and bottling and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I had no idea about it. And all of a sudden I was like, you know, I had babies on one hand that I was trying to deal with. And on the other hand, I'm like looking up and I'm like, wow, that's so crazy that I've been sitting here trying to Google like bottlers all along. And like the terminology is co-packers. And I had no idea that, like, I had no idea that these are called closures and not caps. I'm like, cap manufacturer, cap manufacturer, wow. nothing's coming up, right? And so I was just like, I got a lot to learn, right? Like, and and, and I wasn't in a hurry, right? Like right. either, because I was just enjoying the ride, exactly. right? Like I was just like, that's so cool. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, when you're working in a business where you know you always where you feel like you actually understand like everything that you need to know. And I say this to people who work at Hint too, that um, venture out a little bit internally Mm -hmm. and figure out what else do you don't know? Because especially when you're in a company where, you know, always be learning, right? And if you're, because at some point, and I don't know what the timeline is, it's different for everybody, but once you totally know what you're doing and you feel like you're an expert, I feel like your days are numbered mm-hmm. for yourself. Like right. in terms of like something happens, like either you're, you know, bored or you're not happy or you're just like, what am I doing every day? Mm-hmm. And it's really it's dangerous when you start to get bored. When you get bored, right? Yeah. And oftentimes it's you're bored because you're not learning, right? And so that was that for me was like such an important aspect of this that it mm-hmm. was like people are like I can't believe that you know you're very marketable like how, how come you didn't like go into tech and go do and it, it's not that the jobs weren't offered it was just like mm-hmm. I don't know like I, I just really want to do this and I also mm-hmm. felt like and, and this is a lot of what a lot of entrepreneurs like yourself also feel this way too that if I didn't do it now 
when was I going to do it? Exactly. And and so that was like something else that I was really feeling. And mm-hmm. so anyway, going back to your original question about fundraising, so we so we didn't even think it was a company, so therefore we didn't think like it was appropriate for us to go out and raise money. And so friends were like, "Oh my god, I love your product." Like we started in our garage in San Francisco, oh, wow. and like the there was a school that a lot of my friends' kids went to. And did you open right up a hand stand instead of like well, a lemonade? No, but we stand. opened the garage door, and then people would like drop their kids off at school and then they go on a walk and they're like oh can we try hint and so but I mean at that time like we didn't have the whole thing figured out like it was like I mean we were you know there's you know very similar to Steve Jobs and I think in many ways we are um, you know like this is a much more difficult product to actually produce Mm -hmm. um, than the consumer needs to know about so um, so we uh initially hadn't figured that out, but I really wanted to get it on the shelf to make sure that consumers actually wanted the product. And, you know, I wanted, I certainly wasn't going to launch a product that I thought people could die, or I was positive (laughs) people weren't going to die, I wasn't going to poison them. But the taste would vary Hmm. based on, um, you know, us, us, the process we were using was cold fill versus um, what we use today, we pasteurize the product and it's a hot fill product. So, but it's not a straight shot of heat either. We use varying shots of um, heat within the product. And, and so, um, so again, like when we first started, we felt like consumers were coming to us and it was like, we didn't have a consistent product. We, you know, weren't really sure kind of how long we could get the shelf life to. And so that, and you know, we had some money to play with so Mm -hmm. we could do that. So two years later, we um, decided that we were gonna take some funding. We had a former um, investors in vitamin water and they had sold the company off to Coke and they had approached us and had heard about our product and we were really like in San Francisco and New York City and that was it. And we were like, oh, vitamin water investors, like that sounds really big. I mean, let's like, (laughs) let's get the money from them and and it'd be great. And so we ended up taking um, some money from them and, and, and then, you know, building out a board as well. We, uh, you know, decided early on, actually, after hearing from the founders um, and senior executives from Vitamin Water that, you know, if you're going to take money and you're going to start to build out your board, it's really important to you as a founder um, to be able to gain, remain in control. Mm -hmm. So at that point, um, you know, we had, uh, they, the, first investors wanted to take two board seats and I was taking a board seat and my husband was taking a board seat and so that kept ringing in the back of my head saying well you know we need to have three board seats hmm. in order to like do that and so we had a guy actually that um, we knew through our kids who was at Google and and we were giving uh, or not giving they were buying tons of hint at Google and he was like oh every time I go into the office I see you guys and sort of tongue-in-cheek and he said let me know when you guys are interested in making or taking investments and so uh, so we approached him and we said listen we were just wondering if you'd be interested in investing and then also we really need somebody to kind of balance us out I mean myself being on sort of the marketing and sales and product 
product development side, and then my husband was an intellectual property attorney. He has, he's kind of a techie geek, like had mm-hmm. you know sort of that background. And we really wanted somebody who had a lot of finance experience to sort of sit on our board and make sure that you know we were doing everything right from a financial mm-hmm. standpoint. And so he, his name is Julio Pogarovic, and he ended up uh, joining not only investing but also joining our board. And so that was about 10 years ago. And then actually, after a couple of other um, roles at great companies like Quancast and Data Miner, uh, he approached us last spring and said, hey, listen, you know, I've been on your board now for 10 years, and I know you guys really well. And can I um, actually uh, come inside your company and be wow. your CFO? So he's our oh, CFO. That's so fun. Yeah, we've yeah. known him for, I mean, he's seen us through all kinds of waves, right? right? And seen like lots of stuff, but really knows us. And so that is still the board today. We've wow. added lots of new investors along the way. I mean, the one thing that I'll say is, um, you know, as we grew in Silicon Valley, we um, started out in tech, like the Googles, and then became the Facebooks and lots of other uh, Skypes and and mm-hmm. uh, of the world. And then um, and then a lot of venture capitalists actually had our product in their office too. They'd wow. be at their like companies, and that's what's and they... cool about actual products. Because I was sitting there, um, you know, listening to your panel and. So many people had hint in their hands. Yeah, and it's, everybody. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool to be at an event or just be a company with a product that you can go to an event and see the people you're talking to totally. or interacting with with your actual product. Yeah, and I. It's weird that I'm emphasizing that so much, but as a person who just makes content yeah. and is no, always it's looking, physical, all, yeah. all of my ideas outside of merch, I feel like are just internet based. Yeah, and, and I put so, them on my phone cases when I don't <laughs> I have it. it, yeah. You know, lots of people are like, oh, um, Sequoia has your product in their office and you know all and you should reach out to them and and early on I reached out to them and some of them reached out to me and they said like let's sit down and talk like we love your product we mm-hmm. love the mission we love what you're doing you know we drink a ton of it in our office and um, and none of them wanted to fund the company and and so um, and even when we decided to launch our own direct-to-consumer um, side of our business which was very much like the you know, subscription business and e-commerce businesses out there, they were like, ah, you know, it just makes us really nervous. Like it's a beverage company. It's not really what I know. And so I always tell entrepreneurs today, it's like what I've learned about, you know, whether it's venture, private equity, or even individual investors is they may not tell you this, but they invest in what they know. And so they, while it's really interesting to, you know, go and see the other side and kind of hear what people are doing. Mm-hmm. I've, I've actually, um, and I've said this to many venture capitalists along the way, like I can, I mean, the likelihood of, you know, some of these Silicon Valley uh, venture firms actually investing in a company like ours, especially, you know, when we were really not even doing e-commerce at all, was very minimal right. because they just didn't, know it and unfortunately a lot of them you know people won't tell you what they don't know Hmm. right and they won't tell you that their confidence is like really low like they want to meet with you because they love your product right right? and And they like you and everything but they're not but at the end of the day like things would come up like afterwards they would say okay we're not going to invest and and i was like can you give me some feedback like why you're not going to invest and they were like you know we're just really worried about coke and pepsi Hmm. and and so i and and i'd be like gosh i don't even think about 
Coke and Pepsi, right? Like, it's like, you know, that's not what I, and they were like, really? Like, how could you not think about Coke and Pepsi? I'm like, because in my mind, like, they're trying to protect the mothership of, you know, their core products. And even if they launch into, you know, water products and beverage products, the minute that that starts to take the share away from the mothership, everybody gets antsy, right? Yeah, and let's talk about a little bit the direct-to-consumer thing yeah. on the e-commerce side because you see these huge brands. Still, the emphasis is just brand awareness, and you go and buy it in the store. Yeah. Um, and you guys are now pushing a subscription service where hints lands right on your doormat, um, and that's cool, but that's different. Yeah. People aren't used to ordering beverages to come right to their door. Um, and so why, number one, and two, how, because I know you have you know a lot of knowledge in marketing and things, what are some ways that you are letting people know about yeah. that? Because I, I've had the privilege to be on you know the influencer side of yeah. things and sharing the products, but I think you guys do a really good job of just sending out product, understanding the power of the individual. And I I feel like I've seen hint in so many places recently. Yeah. And that's, no, that's awesome. really that's helping awesome. you know, that's yeah, great to hear. the e-commerce side of it. I always feel like whether it's a business or it's an individual or whatever it is, you have to have choices, right? And so I always say to entrepreneurs that if if you're if your business is always like like in, in the case of beverages, I mean, we had a large percentage of our business for a long time in the early days in product in companies like Whole Foods. And so um, and so the day that Whole Foods like wakes up and says, like, we're getting bought by Amazon or we're going to change the model, we're going to do this like you're in a bad spot. Like you never want to be in a bad spot, right? And so I've always had that belief in thinking with every single business model, and it doesn't matter what industry you're in, is that if if you're if you're too dedicated to you know one chain of stores or one way of doing business mm-hmm. in general, you're in a dangerous kind spot. Of diversify yourself. Right. And so so that was kind of the initial thinking. And then we started to go into places like Starbucks and places, you know, like uh, some of the chain stores that were out there as well, the large ones, Kroger and Publix, etc. And so for years, those big chain stores have taken money um, called slotting dollars for it's basically like real estate. So they mm-hmm. get they pay millions of dollars to actually get a certain amount of shelf space and it's done in beverage ice cream chips whatever and so these are big checks like these are like 60 million dollar wow. 80 million dollar checks per year that these so large, that's comfy you get yeah. comfortable with that and well then, yeah and so yeah. what's happening so what would happen is while the buyers at these stores would say to us okay we love hint and we think it's great they're like look Basically, I've sold off 90% of my shelves to these large soda CPG companies that actually want to pay in order to get the large amount of space. And the consumer, most consumers have no idea about this. They go to the store and they think, oh, that's on a big display. And so therefore, that must be what everybody wants. And the reality is, is it's like this, it's money, right? 
And so while I wanted to expand our business um, beyond sort of like the natural food stores, like the Whole Foods of the world into, you know, companies like Safeway, I knew I couldn't afford it. Like I said, we went into some other um, outlets, including food service, which were, um, you know, places like Google and Facebook, et cetera. And then we went into places like Starbucks and then we went into a bunch of other. And then one day Amazon reached out to me and said, we're launching this grocery business and we'd really like you to be a part of it. And um, it came actually at a point where uh, we had actually been told that we weren't going to be in a major um, food service chain anymore because they were gonna put in another product, a food product that had Mm -hmm. more margins in it. And um, and so I wholesaled the product to Amazon, and then they were just doing incredibly well with it. And I really thought, um, well, first of all, what I learned from it was that they were also getting a lot of data. So going back to kind of my roots, where I felt like I was getting a lot more data. I mean, today, if you're selling a product like Hint, I don't know that Sarah's going into Whole Foods and buying Hint. She can tell me that, but I don't actually get the register data back from them because Whole Foods will actually, and now Amazon will hold on to that data. Mm-hmm. And I had missed that coming from the tech industry, really understanding who my customer was. And so I thought, I want to A, diversify so that I'm not being forced to potentially pay $60 million slotting fees at some of these large mm-hmm. grocery chains, but also give myself other options and the customer more options to be able to have the convenience because I really believed that at least in my friend group there were a lot of people who were choosing to pay a little bit more money to go to stores like you know Whole Foods or drive a little further to go to stores Mm -hmm. like Trader Joe's and weren't shopping at these conventional grocery stores and so I believed that you know I wasn't even sure that I necessarily wanted to be in there and that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure. So I really needed to be able to diversify, to be able to have our product in lots of different places. Mm So it really, you know, like the rest of my story, frankly, it didn't come as like, oh my God, this is gonna be an e-commerce company. I mean, this came out of like, you know, what I identified as a wall that Mm -hmm. I had to either, you know, basically join the wall Mm-hmm. or that was going to cost me a lot of money that I couldn't afford to do, mm-hmm. or I had to figure out how to smash the wall or get yeah. around the wall or however you want to look at it. And, um, you know, it ended up to be an amazing decision. I mean, it ends up that I was right, that mm-hmm. the consumer really wants the convenience of ordering cases right. and having them delivered to their home. But it's funny. I mean, it's uh, we've never done any sort of traditional advertising like billboards or any type of, you know, typically you put like 30% of your marketing dollars on into like a traditional marketing and advertising campaign. And, you know, we do so much in ads now online that is really headed towards our, you know, direct-to-consumer e-commerce mm-hmm. business, subscription business. But we know that there's a lot of people who see those ads who still go to Whole Foods, mm-hmm. still go to Safeway, still go to Publix, and they see a bottle of Hint or they see it on you know, special mm-hmm. and, and they're like, oh, I'm gonna load up my cart. Exactly. But I think that you know, it's, it, it, it's really being a brand um, that is kind of understanding lots of different industries and sort of where they've been and where they're going, and then also hedging your bets. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to bring it all the way back to when you graduated college. Yeah. 
And so you told me a funny story of how you had a thousand dollars to your bank account, and you oh, if that yeah, I mean, that's, barely. That's and generous. You, yeah, and then you just started applying to jobs. And how many jobs did you apply for? Because I remember the number being around like fifty. Oh, it's even higher. Was than it that. higher yeah. than that? So, so, where were you at life during that time, yeah, so, and why did you decide to just go and apply for all the things? So, it's a crazy story. Um, I was actually I was living in Arizona. I went to Arizona State University, and I was waitressing while I was in college. And these guys used to come in um, to the restaurant, and I they these like three guys always came in and I knew they did something in like entertainment but I wasn't exactly Mm -hmm. sure what they did and um it was a place called teepee that is like still the best mexican food like i crave it in, in phoenix it's awesome don't you miss and that because as a texan I know. yeah there's certain the places yeah. you and you i know? have to talk about that because I, I i'm still uh, <laughs> i do that to myself all the time but anyway so they would always come in and then when i was getting ready to graduate everybody was saying like oh what are you gonna do after you graduate and and um and a lot of my friends were taking jobs like like on ASU's campus, there were lots of, at least in my mind, there were lots of like consulting firms that came on campus and like finance firms and and uh, and I just oh and pharmaceutical sales and I just didn't want to do any of that. And some of my friends were doing those different roles, and I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? And I said, I'm not sure I'm going to stay waitressing in Phoenix, but I might. Like I really liked it a lot, but I'm like trying to figure out. And so I was saying to these guys, I was being very inquisitive with everyone I ran into, and I'm like, so what do you guys do like you're in here all the time and they're like oh we um we shoot films Hmm. and i'm and i'm like oh like in phoenix in scottsdale like you shoot films and he was like oh yeah there's tons of films and i was like oh wow like do you work for a studio or what do you do and they said no we work for anheuser-busch and I was like, oh, wow, really interesting. Like, so Anheuser-Busch shoots movies. And they were like, no, we're part of the product placement. So wow. Anheuser-Busch puts product on movie sets. And wow. so we actually are sitting on the movie sets and making sure that the product is actually being treated properly so that it's not in a situation where, you know, the brand is showing and some bad thing is happening in these movies. And I, I was never like... never thought of those types of jobs. Totally. I mean, no, that is crazy. And I was like... Wow, that's so crazy, right? Like, that's a thing. They said, oh, you should come interview with us. And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And so so they said, let us know when you want to come to L.A. And then another person came into the restaurant and said, oh, I have this vacuum cleaner company. And they used to, they used to winter in Scottsdale. And I was like, oh, like what vacuum cleaner company is it? And it's in Chicago. And they said, oh, you should come and interview us like with us. And I'm like, oh, I don't know that much about vacuum cleaners, but wow, it sounds really cool. I'm going to go do that. And so anyway, so this started happening. And I finally said, okay, I need to pull the trigger. And actually, right when school ends, I need to actually go out and interview. And um and so I went to a travel agent. This was back when there were a actually travel, travel agents. Agent. What is I know, a travel on the agent? Corner. I know. <laughs> and so I went to a travel agent and I said, okay, so I want to go from Phoenix to LA to San Francisco to Chicago to Boston to New York and back to Phoenix and um, all one ways. And wow. I want to do it over a month. And then. Um, and then I might end up like eliminating some legs, but can you just price this whole thing out for me? And I'm kind of flexible on the dates and whatever. 
And um, and so she called me at home and she said, okay, it'll be $472. And I'm like, what? wait, so tell me the itinerary. And so I was, and so she told me and I was like, yeah, that's correct. Are you sure? Like it's $472. And then I was like, okay, well, here's my visa. Yeah, and hurry. so like, hurry, ticket it. It's all ticketed. Okay, it's great. I'll pick it up tomorrow. And then I still, like I told my roommate, I'm like, oh my goodness. I don't know what happened, but I was just like, this is so crazy. And, and my roommate was like, oh, it's probably not like going to happen. She probably forgot one of the legs. Right. And so, so I got in there and sure enough, my ticket's like all set. Wow. So I, so I took like the next couple of weeks and just like wrote a ton of letters this was before the internet mm-hmm. and wrote a ton of letters and sent them out and um and then just followed up with a phone call and i had um actually when i started i probably had close to 30 interviews before i left um to go i, I can't i can't remember i should have written all of this down but oh, i can't remember goodness. exactly how many but so so then when i went to la and i interviewed at anheuser bush and i thought oh wow this is a really cool opportunity and then they're like so what do you want to do and i'm like can i be honest with you i have no idea like i i really like i'm just graduating from college and i met these three guys who are executives at anheuser bush mm-hmm. and they were telling me about it and i'm just like using the next month to really understand what I want to do. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, oh, well, I bought this ticket. It was $472. And like, I'm telling the whole story. And they're like, that's so crazy. And and so where are you going next? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to San Francisco. And they're like, oh, you if should only talk. YouTube existed. Like, right? I would watch a vlog of a this. Full, the whole thing, oh, right? It's amazing. And so I go to, so then they're like, oh, when you're up in San Francisco, you should reach out to my friend at Bain. And he's wow. like, and maybe he's got like, are you willing to do anything? I'm like, yeah, like, I, I don't even know what these jobs are. Like, I didn't know what a consultant was. I didn't right. know what, you know, I was open to whatever. I just right. really was learning it. And maybe I would jump on something. Maybe I wouldn't. Right. And so, um, so anyway, people kept adding on. And then I go home from that day of interviews. And then I'd like, look at my list of people that I should call. And I was like, hey, like, I'm friends with so-and-so. And I'm reaching out can I like my resume won't get there in time but can I fax it to you mm-hmm. and so I'd be living at FedEx and you know FedEx Kinkos and doing this anyway by the time it was all said and done like I, I probably had over a hundred interviews and <laughs> like over a month and I was just like how many offers oh my did God. you get back and so I had I, I think I had over 60 offers wow. and so, so you're just and like, I told hmm. people like don't expect me to get back to you like it's not that easy like to like I'm going to be traveling and then I'll get right. back and so kind of much to my surprise I mean along the way like I actually forgot about some of the interviews and I got these letters I'm like Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember that was really cool. But it was like, but what it allowed me to do, it allowed me to do multiple things. First of all, actually, like people, if you if they see motivation and drive in Mm -hmm. people, people are willing to talk to you. Right. Like I just wasn't afraid to pick up the phone and just talk to people. And there were no's in there. People are like, I don't know why my pal told you to call me like whatever. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to work for you anyway. So that's that's cool. But it also allowed me to actually I knew that I wanted to leave Phoenix and go to a bigger city. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, was looking at L.A. and San Francisco and I had been to L.A. I'd been to San Francisco once. I had never Mm -hmm. been to Boston, New York. Mm -hmm. And so I also lined up like staying with friends 
friends in all of these cities right. and and like friends parents mm-hmm. like I had enough budget where like I would know like when I work. left like I bought them a plant and like left it That's on amazing. there and yeah. wrote a nice thank you yeah. note for having me like I had you know definitely was like concerned about that but the other thing it really allowed me to do was just like have confidence in myself because I didn't have friends that I could like sit there and say, well, what did you think about that company? Like I made really great notes and and mm-hmm. said like, okay, and this is what I could do. You were determined and you went yeah. out and get it. And people don't realize how relational everything is. And totally. So- I'm sure with every single interview, like you said, there was another person that they wanted to recommend you to. And I find that with the creative world as well, just as you go out and, you know, you're offering something to someone like, hey, I want to shoot a video of you doing this. You're offering them value. And there's always something in return of like, hey, let me connect you to this person who I think would be perfect for this next project you have. Yeah, and some of them aren't, right? Like some of you're like... Yeah, I don't know where but that, it's just like, it's but they try all about just getting right. out there and getting you know, out there and doing it and showing that determination. Yeah, no, which, definitely. Which and you never know where people end up, you know, like showing up either. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember I was speaking a few years ago at a United Nations Women event mm-hmm. and met this like really cool woman. And then I was at my kids high school play the other night and then she's like do you remember me like we had this great conversation I was like oh my god like that's so crazy and then she's and then she said oh I'm doing this conference in Silicon Valley that for women and uh and the UN is involved in it and I'd really like to get you involved so small right and so that's the I mean be nice Mm -hmm. be helpful like you know like Mm -hmm. and and I was really I, I tell people you know graduating from college or you know like when people give you something to follow up on the other thing that has you know I really really did back then and I'm a big believer today is like follow up with them mm-hmm. and just tell them a quick note hey by the way thanks again for yeah, introducing me to Sarah and mm-hmm. you know and I just wanted you to know it like she's great we're gonna do this or you know it wasn't quite the right role mm-hmm. but I so appreciate you even like taking the effort to do it because I think that the follow-up not just with the person that you meet with but the person that's made that introduction it's is huge. like it it just is like closing the closing the loop mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. so that and, and so many people say to me like god people don't do that anymore like thanks so, so much because out. i didn't want to like reach out to them and like i wanted to make sure that they were nice and mm-hmm. and whatever but um but i you know it's uh you know i've t- i've gotten more and more involved in arizona state university and i've mm-hmm. said to uh the head of the school, uh, Michael Crow, he was like, "Oh, so was our, uh, was our, the career development center super helpful to you?" And I'm like, "I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but it wasn't that it, there was anything wrong with it. It just wasn't me, right? Right? And and so and so I think that, but I, I really believe, like, you know, if you want something, you just gotta go out and get it in every aspect of life, right? And mm-hmm. and that was the same with me when I wanted to go and find a job. Like I wasn't sitting here saying like, oh gosh, when's my school gonna come up with the right I mean, job for me? Taking like taking initiative. Yeah, it's like, doing it. you know, and be willing to take little steps along mm-hmm. the way and, and trying things. And it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, go out and right from college, go and get that perfect job too. Like mm-hmm. I always, you know, tell people as well that, it's like find a find a company 
find a leader, find somebody that, that find something that you believe in mm-hmm. and go join it mm-hmm. and let your brain just kind of incubate there for a while to figure right. out like what you like, what you don't like. And, you know, it's, it's, um, I mean, if you would have asked me in college, I probably would have said I would have been a media. I mm. would have been, you know, I didn't even know tech existed, right? Wow. Like, I would have thought tech would have been this, like, super geeky thing that only the people, like, right. that are, you know, in different classes than what I take at school right. are involved in. And then all of a sudden, I'm, like, living in tech, and I'm really, like... Right, I'm, in the I center lo- of it. Yeah, yeah, and I love to be in a room with those same people, mm-hmm who, you know, are like, we can't do this without you. Right. 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 And and so you just I think it's just keeping, you know, your mind open mm-hmm. and um and you know, I'm I'm also a big believer too. Like I, I'll talk to entrepreneurs and they're saying, Oh, I'm working at, you know, this great company Apple right now, but mm-hmm. like I wanna do my own thing and I'm like, then you know, you should figure out when you can do that. And mm-hmm. when like everybody knows, like at some point where if you're not learning anymore if you, um, you know, believe that you've just got to get the itch out of you mm-hmm. and just go and do it, then then go do it. But there's also nothing wrong with incubating, you know, mm-hmm. something on the side to actually test the concept right. the side while you're yeah. like actually making money. Because I think that, you know, gone are the days for entrepreneurs where if you actually need to go out and raise money. I mean, it used to be like, I've got to quit my job mm-hmm. and then I've got to invest 100% of my time in this concept that, I mean, I might tell everybody that's going to work, but I don't even know if it's going to work. And, like, why not kind of test it a little bit on the side Mm -hmm. and figure out whether or not it's going to work? And be honest with everybody that you're doing this. I think today, like, large companies actually really appreciate that. Like, as long as it's not directly competitive, but you're just trying to get this thing out of your head and you don't know if you're going to go and do it full time Mm -hmm. or if you're going to close it down or whatever. What are you doing from 6 p.m. to 2 a.m.? Right. And it's not during the the time that you're supposed to be Mm -hmm. focused on this. And and I think that um, then you can actually, you know, get something off the ground without, like a lot of companies today aren't going to fund things unless you're, you know, that point zero 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 one percent unicorn right. they're not going to fund things that don't have proof of concept mm-hmm. and so it's a little bit of a chicken egg and right. but i'm a big believer that you know you go take a job at some really big company that um that has been doing something right mm-hmm. for a long time and you're learning 100 yeah. percent. yeah yeah and i think that's an amazing point to end on yeah thank you so thank much you. for being here on the it. creative exchange podcast yeah um, where can people find you twitter instagram um, yeah so uh so hint at drinkhint.com on twitter at kara golden it's k-a-r-a-g-o-l-d-i-n and um on facebook i also have um talking about mentorship so mm-hmm. i also have my own mentorship channel that i'm doing oh, wow. as a podcast on um yeah, on iTunes and then also uh, at KaraGolden.com. So Love I'm doing it. lots yes. of interviews. Guys, she does with, so much great stuff. Yeah, like I'm super cool entrepreneurs, but also uh, the podcast uh, is focused not just on entrepreneurs, but the first 10 segments that I'm doing right now are focused on health, um, oh. all the questions you want to know around, you know, 
peanut allergies and the whole yeah. 30 diet and uh, the lobbyist movement inside yeah. of, you know, big food and, and uh, why consumers aren't getting as much information as they need right. to know on multiple topics. Right. So oh, that's super good. fun. So yeah. go check it out, guys. Yay. And if you're just tuning in, make sure to subscribe to this YouTube channel or if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, you can hit that subscribe button. So Kara, thank cool. you so Thanks, much. Thanks, guys. Yes. And super fun. Yes. Cheers. Yes, cheers, cheers to, to you. Hint. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. And we'll see you guys in the next Creative Exchange Podcast. Right on.